0: care for all Rose bros can suck my balls fuck your reply guys please don't fuck
1: your reply guys just listen to reply guys hello and welcome back to reply guys the leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us i am kate willett and i'm julia claire and uh behind me we are featuring on yeah we have uh, little Pearl and little Albert just chilling in the background. Yeah. Um, they've been growling. So if you hear growling at the top of this episode, I'm not in a fight with Julia. It's That's right. It's actually the little tiny cat. <laughs>
2: um, but I will say that that is how Kate and I fight. Yeah. It's
1: a lot of growling. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm looking for places to live right now, and uh, one of the places has um, a dog that is living there. And I think it would be okay, like cats and dogs live together, but I just feel like that would be like, I mean, they're just so small, they've barely seen anyone, and that's gonna be, I mean, among other things, an epic prank on them. That, is, like, that, is, gonna be, that is gonna be an epic
2: prank. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: wait why are you moving um eh, just you know need, need a little change i yeah. think yeah um you know you moved people move
2: i yeah i i mean i i had lived in the same place for th- for f- four years and i my bedroom was eight and a half by eight and a half feet that's why
1: yeah. that's a good reason to move that's I remember why, you were like
2: podcasting your <laughs> on your bed I know um, and I was the laughing stock of leftist podcasting because I was basically the internet's men without bed frames
1: oh my god what like what were you doing did you have a copy of Infinite Jest or something no
2: I just was a girl in an 8.5 by 8.5 bedroom who had to podcast on her bed
1: because well, the thing is, is that's not men don't consider that a red flag Um, for, for all I can tell is men consider it a red flag. If like, um, I don't know, let's say you want them to commit to you or mm-hmm. something, you know, <laughs> they're like, this is a huge red flag. This there is extremely clingy. <laughs> there definitely
2: were a few people who thought that my extremely tiny room was a red flag uh there was this one australian guy that i hooked up with once who commented about how small my room was and then like left in a hurry afterwards
1: you feel like that was really why like what kind of red-blooded man he was like was I don't, women.
2: He was like, I just don't want to sleep here. And I was like,
1: All right, man. <laughs> was, was he? Was he like? But that sounds like a situation where maybe he was intensely claustrophobic, and that it didn't really have anything to do with like you specifically. That's it seemed very, like he.
2: No, I don't. I mean, I don't think it had to do it. I think it had to do with my room. Yeah, I. I don't know, but yeah, Australians
1: are wild, dude. I yeah I don't know if I should be talking about this but there's an Australian poster some of our listeners will know from Australia she posts I'm not sure if she's real I'm not sure I think she's a bot (laughs) I I feel like she's one of the most um she is one of the most uh like greatest pieces of performance art of all time yeah yeah and she was uh she finally like tweeted about me So, like, for people who are, like, not brain poisoned online, there's just this Australian lady that, like, posts a lot about um, U.S. politics. And I was, like, really trying hard not to, like, make a dumbass Australian joke. Like, why don't you log off and throw another shrimp on the barbie? I know that's probably so hacked to these people now. But it is fun to make fun of Australians, even though I love Australia. I went there for a month for a comedy festival, and it was the best. I loved it. Um... But what did she say about you? She said that I was having unprotected sex, and I was like, "There is no way that you can know that." Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> you, you, I don't. You don't know what I do. You don't know what kind of protection I use. That's
2: right. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. also that is just such a swing as a as a diss.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, unprotected emotionally, sure. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> we advocated for
2: safe sex on this show, just not emotionally.
1: Yeah, you want to, yeah, like use condoms, but you know, honestly, post COVID life, it's still not fully back up to speed. You want to, you know, you want to consider adding a little spice to your life by dating a messy bitch who loves drama or four of them. I don't know. Yeah, you know, we don't know your life, but I went to a bar with a woman I was dating and I had some friends there and the friends that we were meeting up with were also posters they posted you know (laughs) and uh, they we were all talking about this Australian woman and she was like who is this which were like the most beautiful words to to my ears I was like wait a minute like you're not toxic enough to like know about this like online thing so that's cool Um, and then I told her about it and then now she knows about it and she did what one she didn't care at all. It was like, of course, you she know, didn't. Of course, you know she you, didn't. You know, when you try to explain something online to like someone that is not online,
2: yeah, I do it every day with my boyfriend. <laughs> really, uh, he didn't know what a turf is.
1: He your didn't, boyfriend didn't, know what, a didn't know what a turf is, he didn't know what t l d r means. <laughs> That is so, that's so, that's like, my mom probably knows what TLDR is. I mean, is. and he gets
2: like, he gets touchy about it a little bit. He doesn't like being out of the loop, but I was like,
1: you don't want this life. <laughs> what, what is he doing with his free time? Just, is he like, just watch TV, reading books, just doing stuff? Yeah,
2: CNN? yeah, he just, you know, he has friends that he sees in real life and uh, he just isn't on the internet all day, like. You and me, and yeah, he. The I had to really explain to him not only what a turf is, but like what turf culture
1: is. I'm curious to hear your take on turf culture. What's turf culture? Oh, um well, it's just like it's
2: kind of like a gender essentialist, medical, very like narrow.
1: Yeah, and there's, it seems, like, I mean, I know there's turfs all over
2: but the it's, globe. But it is heavily rooted in the United Kingdom.
1: Yeah, there seems to be, like, a lot of, like, British, you know. It to, is. It's, like. like <sighs> I don't know what's going on on there, but, like, you know, it's it just seems, I, I feel like, I haven't been in England in a few years, or Scotland or whatever, anywhere in the UK, but, like. Online has made me think that if I visited the United Kingdom at this point, I would just be greeted immediately at the airport by people who are like... Well, how can we enjoy our afternoon tea when there are women who have a penis? Like- <laughs> and
2: yeah. This is what um, Natalie Wynn on ContraPoints is always making up British uh, turf characters where they're saying these burgeoning men <laughs> who are trying to go into women's bathrooms invading our spaces. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, it's been this whole thing. I, I had to also explain it in the context of the fact that um, my boyfriend sent me an article because of a, a disagreement we were having and the argument was, I mean, I'm sorry, the article was in Quillette. Do you know Quillette? I do know Quillette, yeah. I mean, so I had, he didn't have context for what Quillette is either.
1: And that... <sighs> and for listeners who might not know, Quillette is like a, it's basically like, Quillette is like if the the devil's advocate guy were a publication. Yeah, it's, it's, like, well, it's like it's like a libertarian,
2: right? It's it is it's libertarian. It's very like free speech absolutism. They publish a lot of turfs. They publish the. I mean, the article that he said. My boyfriend and I keep having the same. We only have one argument, and it is about cancel culture. <laughs> he thinks the cancel culture is what. Um. I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to be unfair to him. I don't want to speak for him, but he just thinks that it's a lot more of like a real and dangerous threat than I do. I like I do think yes, I think it exists obviously, but I don't think of it at, like I'm just not going to be made to feel guilty that someone lost one entertainment job for example because they repeatedly said shitty things about like really bigoted things rather not just shitty things really bigoted things about a particular group of people Uh, or um, in a lot of cases have sexually assaulted or uh, harassed people multiple times you know we see that a lot in, yeah,
1: uh, I mean it's it's like one of those things that it obviously really like just depends on the context. Like obviously, totally. if someone gets fired for like one dumb tweet that they made ten yeah, years ago. Yeah, so stupid. It's that's, like really that's different very, than like a serial rapist getting totally, fired. Totally, and people want to talk about this like it's all the same thing, but it's like no one thinks that, right? You know. But yeah, it's this is the <laughs> only
2: argument that he and I. <laughs> I mean, clearly, your cats also hate cancel culture. No, I'm sorry.
1: They're not growling anymore. They just talk all the time. And I'm like, bitch, I'm a podcaster. They're talking because
2: they hate cancel culture. And they think that I'm an SJW cuck. That's all there is to it. Little Pearl. Little Pearl (laughs) is canceled. And I am an SJW cuck. So... Oh, my... Um my friend Robbie made up a um a name for our listeners. Okay, what is it? Was <laughs> well, two um two different options, Alpha Cucks and Beta Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I do really like Reply Guys, Reply Guys. Um
1: and You know, but when you said Alpha Cuck, I felt I'm not going to lie to you. I felt sexual attraction to this, like, theoretical person. And I'm like, I think my type is, like, an alpha cuck. An alpha.
2: Actually, I think that that's really true. (laughs) Knowing your your dating history, I think that's actually 100% on the nose. Uh, Alpha cucks. Alpha cucks. Uh, So, you know, the internet isn't all bad. We have fun on the internet with our alpha cucks and our beta boys.
1: Yeah, I mean, okay, side note, I know that, like, cuck is this, like, thing that, you know, like, originally, okay, so, cuck, I, I knew about cucks for a long time, because that shit is, like, so prevalent in, um, like, uh, renaissance plays, which is, like, what I studied at college. <laughs> I love renaissance plays. <laughs> renaissance plays, it's, like, a thing that, like, you shouldn't even fucking know about unless you're a loser. Like, yeah. honestly, like... You know, if you're like some kind of Shakespeare geek or whatever, were you doing like, like
2: Chaucer too?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I studied Renaissance literature because I love that shit because I'm like a fucking theater loser, you yeah. know. <laughs> and everyone in those situations is like always calling each other a cuck. Like that was like the the insult that men called each other. You know, basically like if your wife was like fucked by another guy, then you were. A know, cu- just a humiliated and they even had you grow horns and stuff like that and then the right wing people um, co-opted this it feels like it really came to be like a, a super like known term or like 2017 they're probably I, I bet it was going around before them but it was a thing where you know they were using it as like a kind of like this like it had like a racist undertone that like specifically like not only did your wife get fucked but like she got fucked by like a black guy and oh, yeah. there it was like kind of a white supremacist thing. Yeah. But I hadn't thought about cucks in a long time at that point because I had like sort of moved away from um Renaissance literature. I was on to other things, you know, Twitter and whatnot. <laughs> Equal equality. <laughs> but I just like I, you know, I'm like I'm i I'm sort of sad that like cuck has taken this turn because I'm like actually like i could completely be in a relationship with the cuck like i absolutely do not want any kind of like polyamory situation whatsoever um i think that like yeah that's just really not for me but if for some reason if for some reason i just like landed in a relationship with someone that like his fantasy was just for me to just fuck a ton of dudes and he was like i love this for you Mm -hmm. i'm so happy for you please (laughs) keep doing this I do think I can emotionally handle that, yeah. I think so, too. And I do, again, I do
2: agree that the men of your dating history are... Mm, Alpha cocks. <laughs> spiritually cocks, for sure.
1: Um, cocks in man, the spiritual realm. Man, there were some all-time insane tweets online today, or not today, this week. Like, we haven't talked about just, like, dumb tweets in a while. That's um, right. This was one of my favorites. Here was here was a tweet that i saw online a real thing that someone said on the internet this week there are lesbians who like men there are lesbians who are men there are lesbians who are straight there are lesbians who are bisexual there are all this and more and it's like <laughs> no i understand like there are you know there like are, are trans men who may identify as lesbians non-binary people but they're not lesbians who are s- straight or lesbians who are bisexual. It was, like, one of these things that it's, like, words do not mean things anymore. And then I saw this other tweet. Oh, oh my, my God. It is, like, it,
2: is it the one that was, like, polyamory can be about platonic relationships, too?
1: Yeah, polyamory can include platonic <laughs> relationships, too. And it's, like, I don't know. I saw, like, some of the discourse around that. And it was, like, you know, that basically, like, the, you know, there are people that are maybe asexual that like they ha- asexual or aromantic and they're having like multiple platonic but like partnerships not, or
2: something like by definition that is not polyamory or asexual <laughs> like you know <laughs> yeah. it, you can't be like asexual aromantic and be like i'm polyamorous you don't have the amor of it
1: yeah it's re- it's really strange because it's just like there there's just definitely like this thing online where people are like words do not need to mean anything lesbians are straight what the fuck are you talking about yeah it's so (laughs) truly
2: we live in hell and uh, everyone is grasping for these like identitarian words but also wants them to mean everything and nothing
1: yeah, I feel like this is the beginning. Like, this is this is probably, like, episode one of us becoming, like, slowly red-pilled. I just think kidding. so, too. <laughs> no, but it's, like, I don't know why these people piss me off so much. Because at the same time, it's just, like, dude, like, people can do whatever they want. But at the same time, it just feels, like, so annoying to me on a fundamental level that, like, we have to, like, invent... Like weird terms for like just having a friend, which is like the most norming normy experience. like that's a thing that we can all just share together. like we like everybody it's, it's has almost, a friend yeah. you know
2: there's <laughs> this thing where we're, that the internet does a lot of times where the, people try to pathologize just normal parts of being a person,
1: yeah, like stop, just go oh. Just go outside. Go outside. <laughs> Maybe the reason that you don't know just, about friends is because you've never had one before. I you know was what I mean. Just
2: thinking about like touch grass, like that that you know the euphemism for go outside, and then I remember the touch grass is ableist tweet that I saw. <laughs> oh my god! Really? Yes, and it was it was not uh, ironic. Um, anyways, go, I, before I get fully red pilled. I, (laughs) on the other end of the the coin, we have fucking John Cleese of Monty Python fame, uh, who is, yep, you guessed it, 81 years old, um, doing, he's going to be doing a a, a documentary series for the BBC about cancel culture.
1: (laughs) My favorite thing when I saw that is like, what is John Cleese, like, I'm thinking about his body of work, and is he, like, is he, is he reflecting back and he's like you could never do the dead parrot sketch anymore yeah. you'd have to say that the parrot passed away <laughs> you know like i don't know well i guess that was the whole thing about that the sketch is just like that there was a thousand ways that you had to say that the parrot died but i mean it's like i'm trying to think about things even from his body of work that are like i'm sorry offensive. but offensive you, you old
2: goofy ass bitch this does not concern you also I just think, well, first of all, he's not, he is like, he is of the cancel culture is ruining comedy uh, orientation, (laughs) but what I will say is that he is not going to be providing like a balanced discourse on this, and he's 80. Why? Why? If people who really are concerned with cancel culture want it to be seen as like relevant and, um, they, want, they want converts, they want other people to agree with them, why would you have an ancient guy do I'm like, I mean, I hate being like a straight white guy, but like an ancient British man.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, like, it's like, obviously, there's, you know, the internet could be, like, really trigger-happy, and it, it's something that pertains to my life as a performer. I mean, I, I definitely, like, you know, it's, I don't want to tweet something dumb one day that everyone piles on me, even though that's happened, like, a ton of times, and it's been fine. Um, no, but- I, I feel the same way, and I and I just want to say that we make, we make this, the quote-unquote
2: cancel culture debate into, like, a very polarized black and white argument but it is a lot more gray than that I also never want like I think that it's I've seen I mean it's happened to my friends people have like for truly a few bad tweets have lost jobs their sources of income their health care and that fucking sucks
1: no it, it definitely sucks but the thing that I find kind of baffling about it is like this is a problem that mainly is something that pertains to people in, like, the entertainment industry or journalists or whatever. And I, to me, I'm, like, mind-blown every day that, like, so many um, people who just, like, don't have super public jobs have, like, become very into this, like, cancel culture debate because I'm, like, this is ultimately, like, a problem that affects like a tiny Percentage of people that are like mostly attention seeking narcissists. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, also, oh, I saw that. I saw the, all this week on the internet that saying someone's attention seeking is sexist. So sorry. <laughs> Oops. Uh, Whoopsie
2: daisy. Yeah. yeah. You canceled. Um, but
1: honestly, Alpha Cucks are really attention seeking people as well. So, and what can we say?
2: <laughs> alpha Cucks are attention seeking and they want your attention, Kate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. And you give I it know. to them. <laughs> But then the minute they have it, they don't want to know more, you know? know. (laughs) That's the whole thing. They got to go get cucked, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so this week on our show, I had a really, really good conversation uh, about the um, Barack Obama's post-presidency with Liza Featherstone of... Uh, jacobin fame you know now
2: kate i wasn't in on this interview let me guess was were you guys just was it about all the cool good stuff that barack obama has done
1: (laughs) um no it wasn't it was basically like you know barack obama he really has been like pretty strategic about trying to use his post-presidency to to crush all possibility of like Good change, um, everything from um you know breaking the NBA strike to like uh cucking Bernie Sanders, if you will, who has since cucked himself, but that's a side note. We didn't talk about that on the other.
2: And that's an alpha cuck move.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bernie, you were my first alpha cuck. You were my last alpha cuck. We'll never forget you never forget
2: your first alpha cuck.
1: Yeah. Um (laughs) it's (laughs) <laughs> um okay uh no we you know we talked we just we talked about her piece for jacobin but we also talked a lot about like the emerging discourse around um like uh girl boss feminism and how mm. like talking about that is sort of in itself becoming a meme you know and like if if that's really changing everything anything at all like if that's changing the way that people think about feminism um and identity politics more broadly um you know it's nice to have a conversation with like someone else who thinks about like leftist feminism a lot um we're trying to trying to determine like what is exactly the right amount of of sexist to be you Mm -hmm. know let's say you're a socialist feminist lady Mm -hmm. maybe your boyfriend's an alpha Mm cuck you know i'm listening (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to go full girl boss. Right. But at the same time, you don't want to go fully red-pilled. Right. How do you, how, how do you find that balance? How's a modern it's, girl supposed to live in this world? As Yeah, online all the time as well. I have to really add that mark to the discourse. So we had a good conversation about that. And um, Liza's just like, you know, she's she's really, really cool. Um, she was the one who we've referenced on the show a few times was the... Uh, editor of uh, the book about uh, the faux feminism of Hillary Clinton in 2016. It's just a really, really cool person. It was like a, it's kind of a crunchy conversation honestly. Mm. There was just some some real kind of like just two sort of laid back leftist women vibing. God, you know?
2: I'm so glad I wasn't there to ruin it. <laughs> 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 With my um, uh, decidedly unlaid back vibe.
1: I you know I miss you though because um yeah when you were in Canada I was I was thinking about you and I I was just like you know Julie's with her boyfriend um you know I'm a little jealous but polyamory is for platonic friendships too. Right. right. <laughs> um, yeah. Some lesbians are straight. Some lesbians are straight.
2: <laughs> Some friends are in polyamorous relationships.
1: Yeah. Yeah, side note, I don't know. I'm not becoming red-pilled, but I do feel myself, like, becoming trad. I'm trying not to. I'm trying to fight it in myself, but I I do. Like, I feel like I'm I'm not really going to do this, but I am starting to see the appeal. Like, first of all, being, like, uh, pro-LGBT... equality rights, all that, it's a, it's a cornerstone of my politics, but I do mean when it comes to, like, people trying to get me to do sex things with them, mm-hmm. specifically, you know, the various uh, unicorn hunters and married men try to fuck me. I do think that there would be something pretty cool about being religious, that when, like, a guy is like, hey, will you please suck my dick and eat out my wife, if I could just respond to him and be like, "That's actually against God, you know? Like, it's just... <laughs> it just it feels like not enough to be like um this just isn't really my thing i'm sorry like i want to be able to say i do think that you will burn for this <laughs> like there would be i understand why people do it you know what i mean like you it just it's much less satisfying to just be like how yeah, this just isn't really my personal vibe i'm sorry <laughs>
2: Typical. yeah that's uh that's that's the only way to do it typical men only respecting Uh, a woman's choice when she's involved with another man uh, yeah in this case god
1: yeah yeah that's very true um i have a boyfriend (laughs) his name is god i have a boyfriend (laughs) his name is
2: jesus christ
1: (laughs) uh yeah i mean i feel like i'll probably exit this phase soon i'm I'm neither trad nor religious you know i love to fuck people of all genders and that's it's really fun but uh I will say that this is your brain on Alpha Cuck. Absolutely. You do that too many times in a row and you're like, I have to become religious now. There's no <laughs> other way out for me. <laughs> well, there, I mean, I just,
2: and as a final note, I do want to say as the uh, the one of a two, the two of us who used to be an evangelical Christian that- No, um, I
1: was also an evangelical Christian. Right. I forget. Yeah.
2: I always forget. I was, it's just that I was, I was born again in college, which is just, I don't know. I just, uh, you don't, that's that's like so much more embarrassing than being, that is embarrassing, being yeah. raised in it. But there is an entire sector of Christian music that is like modern contemporary Christian music that where all the lyrics are like basically Jesus is my boyfriend.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no, I've heard that shit. And then there's like there's like a lot I feel like when I was growing up there's like a lot of Christian, like nickelback oh, people. Yeah. I can't tell you what the lyrics are because the songs are like Nah, 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 nah. This, jesus yeah <laughs> those songs are bad i'm sorry get better music um all right alpha cucks all right uh, please enjoy our interview with liza featherstone and uh keep on cucking. yeah please subscribe <laughs> to our patreon just did a really really good episode uh, with a woman named Kat Bob McGira who wrote a book about like capitalism and psychology and Edgar Allan Poe that was really cool so yeah please subscribe thank you so much bye hello and welcome back to Reply guys I'm so excited this week we have a guest on that I have wanted to have on the podcast for so long she is a writer at Jacobin and I've just I've really loved her work it's always amazing when we can get a A very cool, thoughtful socialist feminist writer on the podcast. There's not a bajillion socialist feminist writers in this world. Uh, Which you know, this is a this is a leftist feminist podcast, so we we gotta you know we gotta get the people that that are doing this to come on the show. And I'm really excited that she agreed. So, uh, today our guest is Liza Featherstone. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. Mm -hmm. Um, So, the original thing that we're going to talk about today was um, this piece that you wrote for Jacobin a couple weeks ago about Barack Obama's ex-presidency. And I've been thinking a lot about this topic in general, um, and I can't wait to get into it. But first, I want to ask you about something else. Um, We have mentioned on our show your book um, a bunch of times and that is uh, you wrote a book about Hillary Clinton and feminism and yeah um, I was just kind of wondering where where <laughs> So you, it was a socialist feminist critique of Hillary Clinton. It wasn't a book about like uh, loving Hillary Clinton or anything like that. But no. I just I wanted to know kind of where you're at with with that stuff. If you feel like the cultural understanding
0: of feminism has has changed since then. Um, um, yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, the um, first of all, I want to clarify that the um, the book was was actually a collection. Um, so it was. Um, it was, um it was called um False Choices the faux feminism of Hillary Clinton and it was a collection of um lots of other left feminists um oh, work awesome. as well so um so it included like people like um Amber Frost and um, Catherine Liu, um um Yasmin Nair Donna Merch like a lot of great um Maud Kasich, like a lot of great um great um, feminist left feminist writers um so it was really a pleasure to do and to work with those people but i just i yeah, want to make clear it was not. oh yeah thank not, you so much just, sorry for getting just, that wrong it was not just yeah. me um, the um the i do um so yeah i i don't um, that that book um that book like didn't have a huge impact fortunately we're innocent of the charge that we've often been accused of of causing Donald Trump to be elected president. We did not, it did not have that effect. Um, I'm positive, um, though, unfortunately, that is what happened. Um, the, um, I, um, I think, um, I think we contributed modestly to um, something that was already happening, which was um, an increased um, skepticism of, um, of neoliberalism and its Um, moral claims around identity politics like it's it's moral claims to um um to anti-racism and anti-sexism um and um and and to um a more liberated world um i think we've we've seen that neoliberal politics absolutely does not um create that more liberal more liberated world and in fact um, creates a um, a rather bleak landscape for precisely um, the people um, that um, anti-racism and um, feminism and um, so forth um, are supposed to be um, um, protecting. Um, so, um, so, so for you know for women and people of color at all. I um, I think um, I I think it has become um, um, so. I think that you know. W- um with the with the growth of um leftist movements and socialist movements um fighting on um on very materialist issues um and um you know with and you know more orga- workers organizing their workplaces and so forth um I think we have um I think we are seeing um, a kind of leftism that can counter um that um that that, that that neoliberal identity politics that we were taking on in false choices, um, and um, you know, and 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 that's and that's a good thing. I think we're also seeing though that um, you know they're they're certainly still trying to make those um, same claims, you know, and um, and in and in some cases succeeding. I mean, New York City just um um a, elected a a very centrist black mayor um, who was certainly um, weaponizing anti-racism um, against the left um you know just as Hillary Clinton um, weaponized feminism against the left um and um, um and you know so 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 it's so I think we're certainly seeing that um that political problem hasn't gone away
1: Yeah, I get into a lot of discussions with friends about this um, on the left and just kind of, you know, what the function of identity politics is. And people are really all over the map on it. Like, you know, I have some um, really progressive friends that are like, you know, maybe more type, like a a Warren voter type of person. I don't know why I'm saying type of person because most of them actually literally voted for Elizabeth Warren in the Democratic (laughs) primary. And, you know, like, I don't think that the impulse to want to not have, you know, an all-male government or an all-white government, like, that's that's a good impulse. It's something that I think that people should be thinking about. And then, you know, kind of on the other extreme... I, you'll see people that you know, maybe uh, to them, like kind of the around, like I don't know. For example, like the kind of dirtbag left aesthetic that is like, no, we like really. Um, not only should we not um, care about identity politics, but we're actually gonna like bring new people in by being kind of deliberately offensive um, mm-hmm. about it. You know, at least in a humorous way. Mm-hmm. But uh, my own feeling at this point is that like, you know, to, to anybody who is not online for like 23 hours a day, like me and my friends, like this is not something that this is not a thing that people are really thinking about a lot, you know? I agree. Yeah,
0: yeah I totally agree. Um, I would say I think that the I, th- I think that the the centrist claims um, to anti-racism and anti-sexism and have a lot um, I, I, sh- I, I, would, I would actually uh, say that a lot has changed since 2015 when we put, 2015, 2016 when we did this book because um, I mean, now that there um, there really is a democratic socialist movement of some sort um, in the United States, um, you know, now that like we, um, we have things that we fight for we don't just have the bernie sanders campaign you know i mean which was very nascent at that time um you know i i think um i i think that it's it, it's it is 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 certainly very um difficult for the centrists to claim that they're the only people fighting for marginalized people <laughs> you know yeah. like and i think that um and, and even their claims to um, represent women of people in color, uh, of color, women and people of color, are are really um, in- increasingly dubious. I mean, we've seen that, um, you know, the 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 um, the women and you know people of color um, like recently elected to Congress um, who are leftists i mean you know like all of the squad alexandria ocasio cortez um um, ilan omar i mean so even if we're talking about you know national politics like not just sort of you know um the i know hundreds of hundreds not just the hundred thousand members of dsa you know but like even if we're talking about national politics um the socialists are really represent the elected Uh, officials um that um that are um sort of that are sort of now championing socialist or leftist politics um are the ones representing the diversity of this country and the women of this country you know i mean and um and you know when they run against white males um their um their opponents are the ones supported by the establishment democrats so it's very yeah. difficult, I think, for um for centrism to continue to maintain the moral high ground um on the very worthy issues of, oh, yeah. fight, of, Although, fight, of I fighting of fighting racism and sexism. You know, people, and they, they will continue to try and they yeah. continue to have some like, you know, people people do continue to believe them, but I mean it's it's just obviously not true. You know, and yeah. yeah.
1: It's it's like the level to which like people will bend and twist mm-hmm. to make the like um, centrists are the ones that are good on um, any identity related issue. It's it's really wild. I mean, during the primary this uh, in twenty twenty, um, I and like several other people I know were called racist for not supporting Joe Biden, mm-hmm. which it's like he's literally a white guy Mm. he is the author Mm. of one of the like most racist pieces of legislation in you know modern history um and uh you know but it was it was very much like the like well actually a lot of black people voted for him so you know he's uh obviously he's the choice right and Mm. i i think i feel i mean obviously i don't think that it's racist to not uh, have been excited about joe biden i mean that's it's, it's a pretty ridiculous claim um, it's like but... one of those
0: things that like just even as you say it like you just you just listen to it and you think well why would anybody think that <laughs> you
1: know? yeah i mean I, I am starting to see some people like push back on stuff like i remember when diane morales was uh like she was caught union busting in her own campaign She tweeted something like about people getting mad at her and were basically like, would a white woman ever be held to this standard? And it's like, I'm sorry, but, you know, you're not going to make union busting woke. Like if if you Mm -hmm. are the leftmost candidate, then your base of people who would probably vote for you, they're going to care about labor issues like, you know, and I so it's like it doesn't work all the time. But it does work a lot and and by work I mean like the weaponization of identity politics in this way. Mm -hmm. And I think it frustrates me as a socialist feminist because, you know, like about maybe half the time when I meet people who agree with me that it's bad to weaponize identity politics, the next thing that comes out of their mouth is like amazingly sexist (laughs) or – yeah. Right, that's... You know, they're like, yeah, I've, yeah, I hate that shit. Bitches are not, I'm, I'm like, shut up. I mean, that's a bit of a comedic yeah. exaggeration, but it's tough to find people who are like in that window of like, no, like you do care. Would you care about feminism? Um, do you care about anti-racism? Just not in the neoliberal way,
0: you know? Yeah. And, and I think I will say that I think that that is something um, kind of bad that happened on our side, um, that, uh, you know, that, 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 that we sort of, um, we, we got this good critique going, um, that, um, you know, the, you know, no, the, um, the centrist Democrats, um, don't, um, you know, um, aren't, um, aren't the people that you should rely on to create a, um, a non-racist, non-sexist, liberated world. Um, and, um, and it, it kind of, um, in some in some circles the 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 critique kind of drifted to bringing up racism and sexism ever is neoliberal.
1: yeah that's, <laughs> you know? it's, it's pretty frustrating and because it's obviously it's so
0: stupid because really never frustrating point in you know that I mean that was that was never my my point of, like that that was in fact it was always the opposite of my point which is I mean I actually think um oppression of all kinds is incredibly um important and um and that um capitalism it is harsher on marginalized people and that's why we want yeah. to bring it to its knees you know like uh, you know that, yeah. mean, that's one reason why we want to bring it to its knees we also feel really bad for all the white men who are crushed by it like but there there are you know it's it's a wide spectrum of victims yeah. that capitalism has and we do want to specify them as well as be universal you know i mean yeah yeah,
1: yeah i i i i think i agree with you a hundred percent on on all those points and you know like it makes it makes so much sense um to us as uh to people who love to nerd out about socialist feminism i <laughs> yeah. guess but yeah. you know like um even when you know, like, just even in my my personal life, like, um, I have, you know, been friends with or dated leftist men that, like, you know, were a little bit like, well, like, how how do you feel like you have, like, this much in common with, you know, whatever, like, liberal woman, Warren voter or whatever. And I'm like, I, I have more in common with, like, a woman who's a feminist that like, has had, you know, a similar set of difficult experiences in, in a lot of ways versus, like, the, the fucking, like, um, I don't know, the, like, super – the guy who's, like, a leftist but is super antagonistic to feminism. And, you know, this is a safe space. Uh, most of our listeners are already super bought into socialism. But, yeah. you know, the, the critique that, like, the, there was, like, a bit of – misogyny in a certain thread and yeah. a certain limited thread on the left that kind of took hold. Yeah. Like it wasn't everyone. It was like uh, basically a few highly visible people, um, that were, had nothing to do except for be online all day. Right. But yeah. mm-hmm. you know, there was a thread of, there was a grain of truth. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and for what it's worth, I'm not saying, I mean, and, and yeah, just to kind of, you know, uh, be, be my own devil's advocate here in the spirit of, um, I am equal to, to white guys. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, uh, we, we, we can definitely yeah, do that we'll, as well. will we my
1: own. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like with people, um, like with liberal friends of mine, you know, during the primary or even now or whatever, they'll be like, well, this leftist guy is sexist. We had that, like, uh, there was that dude that ran for some office in, I think it was like Kansas or something. I don't know. But he basically, um. like, he... Yeah, he was accused of, like, beating and raping his ex-girlfriend, like, credibly accused. There was a lot of receipts. Oh, yeah, that was very disturbing. Yeah, Yeah. and you got, like, some, you know, prominent left figures, like, supporting him in spite of it, like Glenn Greenwald. I don't consider Glenn Greenwald to be somebody that's, like, easy to identify as as a leftist, but that's the perception. Um, You know, and I would have friends say to me, like, that friends that weren't socialists, like, look, you know, the misogyny is real. I'm like, yeah, d- definitely it is. But, like, also it's real in the center. Like, p- Joe Biden is also credibly accused of rape, you know. And it's mm-hmm. I think it's frustrating because people want to pretend, like, you know, the problem of racism or misogyny or whatever, that, that it exists in, in a certain like segment politically, but it's really it's all over our society. It's just it's extremely yeah, pervasive. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that um I mean I I, I think that in I, I think that in leftist movements and organizations, you know, it's it, it, it is at least something that can be talked about. I mean, many people are in, you know, workplaces and all kinds of and families and all kinds of situations where you just can't even bring it up you know and and i mean and most people in leftist organizations or spaces know that they are not supposed to be sexist and racist i mean and uh, and 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 there is like there is at least some kind of um process towards those things i mean the idea that like you know the the accusation that that were sort of uniquely misogynist <laughs> that always, you know, that would come up like during the Hillary Clinton campaign and elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, it is, is just clearly absurd. Like we live in a patriarchal and racist world and the left is yeah. affected by that. But we certainly are also, um, you know, we, 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 we do create spaces in which people can evolve. Um, and unfortunately The internet isn't always one of those spaces.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. (laughs) I mean, sometimes it
0: is, but, you know, we often see that that ways that it isn't.
1: Yeah, no, the internet is is not a place, I think, where people are often bringing their absolute uh, best selves. No. No. I mean, like, I don't know. People just, even apart from... Political stuff. I mean, th- people just tweet stuff that is absolutely ridiculous and then everyone gets mad about it. I'm thinking about today this tweet I saw that, you know, some lesbians are straight and some lesbians are bisexual. And I'm like, what are you? What? <laughs> what? Are you t- I mean, there's probably like some kind of narrow exception to this that I'm not thinking of, but lesbians or bisexual. It, like to me, like that like le- literally makes no sense, you know. And there's like a cycle of just like people saying kind of dumb shit in general, and then everyone getting super outraged about it. And a lot of the time, you know, it is political, but but not always. And mm-hmm. it's it's weird, like how much. Um, the Discourse is like shaped by people just reacting to someone who is probably yeah. honestly not well
0: in a lot yes, of instances. You in know? a lot of instances, that's right. Um, I think that, like, I think very often what we get upset by or outraged by on the internet um, is is somebody acting out in a way that is just a, a symptom. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. it's not the best place that person to get the help they need Um, and but it's also you know it doesn't help for everyone to react to it
1: (laughs) no it really doesn't we've had a few pieces come out in the last um, you know year or two that have, um, in various words, uh, pronounced the death of the girl boss, which to me, like that kind of goes right in line with this type of neoliberal Hillary Clinton feminism. And I was wondering, uh, is the girl boss dead or is she still rising
0: and grinding? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I love, I I think that that kind of critique like is exactly, um, you know, that's, that, that, that. that that's, I, I think that that's a, a great example of, of culturally, um, how, um, the critique of, of Hillary Clinton type faux feminism, um, is becoming a bit more mainstream, you know, that, um, that, um, you know, Zoomers just like, hate the girl boss, like, and they hate that whole ethic, like that whole, um, idea that that's what you're striving to be. Um, and, um, and i i think that's i think that's great i mean i'm older and you know like my generation like never had a um a, a critique of, of of that kind of feminism of that kind of like corporate boss feminism um and um and and i think it's uh, so i so i think it's really uh, good to see that become part of pop culture even even while um you know the um the you know um, many of many of the claims of neoliberal feminism are still floating around unchallenged. but I think that um, th- like th- that that ideal um, or the the sort of the whole like like a boss thing, it, like I think has really been falling apart. Uh, some of it is yeah. also like the diff uh, I mean, I think I, I think it's it's a challenge to a certain kind of feminism, and then it's also, you know general alienation around work helps too <laughs>
1: yeah that's definitely yeah. true i yeah. mean to me it also seems like when you're talking about zoomers yeah it does sort of seem to um to at least anecdotally split along um age lines like the people that i know who are you know really kind of a one for one like electing a woman means feminism and um the you know uh equalities of you know a ceo yeah. yeah oh my god oh. Uh, yeah. but, you know, i mean like I, to me that's not something that'll of younger people believe that's like it's very yeah. gen x uh yeah. maybe Definitely. older millennials of which i am one but you yeah. know I'm cool i'm pretty woke uh, for uh, <laughs> <laughs> for an old millennial you know so no
0: yeah. you're, you, you got yeah you you guys have really um, pushed things forward in that.
1: Um, so this has been this has been awesome to talk about, but I do want to make sure that we get to your article, um, and this piece we'll link in the comments, um, th- for Jacobin. Barack Obama has been one of the worst ex-presidents ever. So you wrote this piece around the time of his uh, birthday party, where he basically, like, you know, he got criticized for having too many guests, and then so he, like, cut... Uh, cut his guest list a little bit and i mean it it was just in general like an incredibly ostentatious display of wealth at a time where so many people are struggling and it it definitely had them uh had uh, let them eat cake vibes to it but you know kind of more broadly like what are some of the reasons that you would say that barack obama has been one of the worst ex-presidents
0: yeah um so my view is um I mean, I was really happy to see him be so widely criticized for this party, um, including among like the you know real Washington insiders who were really seemed really who were
1: disinvited. Im- after yes. they were invited. Who were disinvited <laughs> after they were invited
0: because he yeah. wanted to have room for the, the you know the, the celebrities, the more glamorous yeah. celebrities. Um, yeah. So, I you know, I, um, but um, but I guess um, I wrote the piece because I felt like. It was really just the, the like the grossness and grotesqueness of this party was um, both was, was was symptomatic of of you know of what is so terrible about Obama as an ex president. While at the same time, it was really just the tip of the iceberg. Like like he, he's just been so um, comprehensively lacking in public spiritedness um as as an ex-president and um and you know s- some of the things are like just if you think about if you think about just the pervasiveness of um really terrible um, extreme problems that our society has been facing um in the last few years since he left office i mean we had we had Trump as president which is like was an an awful symptom of, 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 of just of real, um, malaise, um, of which white supremacy is a part, but only one part. Um, it we've had, we have like dramatically worsening climate change. We have like a severe housing crisis, even before COVID-19 we've had COVID-19. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we've had just so many, just, uh, like so many problems. And, um, and so, in that in this dystopian landscape, we think, okay, who has a lot of moral authority and what have they done with it? Barack Obama is somebody who has a lot of respect is well respected and has a lot of moral authority among the general public and what has he done with it um, well, um, when um, um, when um, NBA when basketball players got really concerned about um, police brutality um, affecting um, black communities when, right after um, Jacob Blake was um, shot and killed seven times in front of his children, the NBA players were like, maybe we should use our visibility and privilege to do something, you know, and like, and also, and also um, kind of give back since many of us come from black communities. Um, And, um, and so, and they were and they considered going on strike, um, and um, and using their labor power as well as their you know celebrity visibility, um, and um, Obama intervened. He talked to LeBron James. He talked to the head of the players' union, and um, and um, and told them to get back on the court. So their um, their brief walkout. Was was not a strike at all. Um, yeah, but, um, but just that was a,
1: a jaw dropping moment too to find out that Obama that Obama did that. I mean, it was just like it was. I mean, because when um, those NBA players announced that they were striking, like to me, I I just felt like an incredible sense of like hope and possibility because, I mean. There's just, like, a lot of people who wouldn't engage with, like, the protests and direct actions in the street that, like, do really care about watching basketball. And it just, to me, it seemed like, okay, this can maybe really actually move something. And then the fact that Obama was the one who went out of his way to make sure that that didn't happen. I mean, it, I, I, have, I have some theories, but what personally, what, what do you think was motivating him? Is it just a deep belief in like centrist politics or what?
0: Yeah, I mean I can't I guess I can't speak to that because I I don't know him I um, yeah, have makes never interviewed. You didn't get invited to
1: the party. I, I didn't that's get why wrote, to That's why party. you wrote this piece. I, that's yeah.
0: cuz I was bitter. I, I thought yeah. it would be nice to have gone to the vineyard that weekend. Um, the um the Yeah, I mean, but I guess yeah, um I would I would say um that what um what what what's what seems to motivate him is um, a a real um, um, I think he really believes in the system. I think that he really um, I think he really believes in um, in the system as it is, and also in his own position as a member of the elite. And he's um, and he's really rich. I mean, ex presidents are way richer than they used to be. Like I mean yeah. you know like the 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 um the 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 tens of millions that um the Clintons as well as the Obamas um make in um, in book deals and speaking gigs, I mean are are just um so far beyond what ex presidents used to like the kind of wealth that they used to amass and and I think it really puts them in a different category like of course they were members of the ruling class they were always they were presidents. yeah, um, yeah. But, but it puts them not only in the category of like of people who are viewed as sort of um, you know part of part of the group that runs society, but it, like it 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 puts it really makes them identify with the super rich um, yeah. and those are the people that don't want anything to change. They do not want workers using their power um, like to, um, to um, fundamentally change society. They don't want to encourage mass protests in the street. They don't want to do any of the things that the players were thinking about doing in that moment. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and it was a very powerful and threatening moment because it was like when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, um, except that at that moment, that moment was not accompanied. By mass insurrection in the street. Yeah, um, I mean that was um, that was a, um, a f- he, um, Colin Kaepernick and a few other players on various um, on various teams kneeling in solidarity with him, and many fans joined in as well. And and it was a, I mean that was a beautiful and educating moment for um, for the public, but it was not um, a moment of insurrection and disruption. In, yes. in, in the way, um, in, in the way that that, um, um, that 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 last summer's protests and um, and that moment where the where the NBA players were thinking of going on strike was a moment of insurrection, and um, and I think that that's you know um, Barack Obama um, you know knows that it's his job to um, nourish the status quo, um, but it's a job he eagerly signs up for you know and um, and then yeah. I, I, I think that he really um believes in it because he's got plenty of money he could do whatever he wants <laughs> you know and he
1: mostly is he's like building mm-hmm. this house in hawaii and he's doing netflix yeah. deals and he's yeah, hanging well, out with Chrissy tegan exactly so, like,
0: like most I, like, of the time he's not politically intervening at all he's just hanging except out to on- put his
1: thumb on the scale to crush any real possibility of change exactly and,
0: when you he, know when he takes to, time out from hanging out on richard branson's yacht is when is to crush of um, any kind of serious movement <laughs> for social changes so, yeah yeah
1: so, and you know i listeners of this show will will certainly be familiar with uh his his meddling in the democratic primary but um can you give us like a, a little bit of an overview of um, how he really took active steps to s- sabotage whatever chance Bernie Sanders had?
0: Yeah. So um, um, not to, um, to trigger us all too much in these <laughs> fragile times, but, it, but, it, the, but, you know, you'll, re- you'll all remember True um, fans
1: will remember. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes,
0: true fans will remember um, that um, in spring of 2020, um, those of us supporting Bernie Sanders for president were feeling pretty optimistic. Even those of us who, like me, are pretty old and jaded, and <laughs> we're not really expecting him to win, we were still pretty hopeful um, because um, because there were um, there were multiple. Um, Candidates in that primary, and um, um, and um, and Bernie was ahead, and he was running a good campaign, um, and um, and the um, the the centrists, the centrists with with Obama um, at their, at the helm, Obama who hadn't gotten very involved in the effort he he was not very involved in 2016 in the effort to defeat Trump, which I would argue was, a, would have been a very important thing to get involved in, you know, and, yeah. um, and, um, you know, and, you know, say what you will about the Clintons, but at least they tried, you know, I mean, he, they were very mobilized if, if, if mainly in their own narcissistic interest, but they, they did try. Um, and, uh, um, and um but but he became politically engaged um around the effort to defeat um Bernie Sanders um and he um and and he entered a persuasive project to um get all the um other primary candidates to um other than Biden to drop out and endorse Biden um and um and then finally to um he that um, then finally when um, um, um. When um things were as, as things looked bleaker and bleaker for Bernie, he he persuaded Bernie to drop out. But it was really that organizing of um of um the whole centrist blob to coalesce around Bernie Sanders around Biden. Yeah, that was the, like in a
1: two day period. We had like Klobuchar, yeah, Pete Yang. Well, no, Yang had already dropped out. Um,
0: Yeah, he had dropped out. Um,
1: Yeah, but Kamala came out as she was already dropped out, but she already, she, uh, you know, endorsed Biden. I mean, what, like, what do we, how much do we know about the actual, like, what happened behind the scenes?
0: Um, there was a fair amount of reporting about it by, um, by mainstream like newspaper reporters um you know that um you know these were these were phone calls that obama made to all these candidates you know and um um and basically um you know uh, basically argued to them that it was it was their responsibility um you know to um, put their own ambitions aside um and um and You know, get behind Biden. I I don't remember. um, I don't remember from the news accounts of the time whether his um, whether he pitched it to them as we've really got to beat Bernie, or or whether he more pitched it to them as um, because Biden is the one who can beat Trump. You know, I mean, I think a lot of the Democratic. Um, grassroots were ultimately persuaded of that, um, you know, that um, that that Biden would be um, better situated to beat Trump, which is a complicated historical counterfactual that we have no way of knowing <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Um, but the um, but it was yeah but it it was definitely um, an organized effort, and it was and it was very clear that what was motivating him was the um, what was what was to beat Bernie, and. Um, and you know, I think that that it's it's telling that these are the kinds of moments that um, that, really, um, animate these, um, that really animate um, these that really animate these neoliberals like Barack Obama. I mean, we're, like we're see, like we're seeing now a um, um, there's a, a a whole pack being formed um, to, by um, by centrists specifically to beat progressive challengers. And, You know, and, you know, you'd think they'd have their hands full um, just worrying about beating Republicans, you know, which is something that we can all agree with them about. Um, But but that's um, that that's that's not their uh, main concern. Um, They really want to um, um, they um, they 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 really um, want to fend off um, challengers that um, that have a, um, um, a serious commitment to changing the status quo.
1: Yeah, it's it's very frustrating. Um I mean and that that's a huge huge understatement, but <laughs> it is very uh,
0: frustrating. It is. Yeah. Um Yeah. But I mean it's also it's also clarifying in a way because it's like you know these are like these are our political enemies. You know sometimes yeah. s- sometimes we have to you know get together with them and work with them uh, you know to defeat the right, but they are also our political enemies.
1: i i I could not agree more it's pretty frustrating um the whole like uh we're all on the same team idea because it's like if we're all on the same team then why do you keep trying to crush me you know (laughs) why don't you pass me (laughs) something i don't know um yeah i mean it's you know to me um I'm not sure to what degree Obama himself has been involved in this, or if it's been more like a lot of the people around him. Um, but like this, uh, preserving the status quo um, is it very much comes up around healthcare, and that we have to preserve Obamacare. Um, I mean, full disclosure: I don't, I do not have any health insurance because. The amount that I would have to pay in New York to mm-hmm. get health insurance is like $500 a month, mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. more, and it wouldn't cover anything really. So, I like a ton of people take my chances because $500 a month is still like a lot for me. Mm-hmm. This isn't a great system, you know? But <laughs> it's not <a> great system. <laughs> I'm not really sure why people like want to preserve this so much, but it feels like it is. It feels like it is, in some sense, like attached to the guy. I mean, even like you'll hear, you know, Biden really lean on that. Like, you know, I, I, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but he's, you know, repeatedly, you know, he says like Obamacare, and, um, you know, that like it would be, you know, some sort of violation of barack obama's legacy or something for us to improve upon this at this Mm. point which is so ridiculous because we're in a pandemic we can obviously see that like healthcare is a need right
0: yeah yeah i mean i think that it's also um i mean that you know when when the right have mobilized has mobilized to dismantle or destroy obamacare um we've seen um that um um, that you know, liberals and progressives are are able um, to beat them back usually, and to defend it. Um, and part of the reason for that is um, we're not necessarily like we haven't yet been strong enough to um, to um, defeat the um, to defeat the right and um, and win healthcare victories on our own. We're, we're always able to defend Obamacare because. The insurance companies love it. You yeah. Know? So um, so it's like it's always like like it's a winnable victory. You know, yeah. like it's always it's always something that uh, like, you know, and, and then and then we can, you know, and then the Democrats get to say, see, like we we saved health care for all these uninsured children. And, you know, you know, all these there are all these like categories of people. That um that that do um that do rely on Obamacare and and benefit from it, um and even though obviously Medicare for all would just cover every cover everybody and be much better, um so the, but it's I I, th- I think some of it is that like Obamacare is this this winnable thing because it's a lot easier to defeat the right if you have. All the health insurance companies on your side, you know, like, the, and, and all of corporate America like wants to keep Obamacare the way it is. Cause they know um, that like they, they know that it's, um, it's working for them. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's, it, it's, it, you know, like we have to, we have to get strong enough and powerful enough um, politically to, um, That we can win victories, like, on our own without the capitalists, because otherwise we're just always going to get this, you know, terrible watered down um, compromises of this kind.
1: And we have to do all that while being... Just the right amount of sexist so that we don't just, alienate anyone, right? Good point. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm really not sure how many like, uh, misogynistic comments I'm supposed to make or not make. It's it's a very confusing world, um, for the, uh, mm-hmm. Socialist feminists among us, right? Yeah, um, good point. But yeah. Uh, well, this has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And Man, no I, I'm so mad at Barack Obama, but um, at least it's kind of becoming okay to talk about being mad at Barack Obama. I feel like in, back in like 20. 14 if you wanted to talk about something that Obama was doing that sucked you had to be like a professor or something <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> like a professor or like I'm talking about from a from a left perspective right, you know what right, I mean
0: right right like
1: a. it was not common right you know but right. I had think to, that people would be
0: Cornel West or someone with a lot of yeah of, of, of respect and panache.
1: yeah but I think now one of the things that I you know I guess this is is encouraging you know is that I think people are very much talking about like the you know inadequacy of um, even the ACA during the pandemic. They're very so. much talking about how part of the reason that people are in such a precarious financial situation at this time is because so many people have not recovered from the two thousand eight crisis, which you know, it's becoming widely acknowledged that the Obama administration mm-hmm. did not do enough to bail regular people out. Yeah, um, I think that's And I right. think it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it does seem like a thing where, like, you know, are we getting uh Medicare for all anytime soon? Honestly, probably not. And it's really hard and frustrating. But I think, you know, what you're talking about of like, you know, building a coalition of people that are not capitalists, like, and you know, I I, I feel more optimistic about that.
0: Me too. I do. Yeah. I really do. And I think that um, I and I think that we see uh, we we see that even in the ways that um, centrist centrist Democrats um are, sl- like, are slightly moving to the left. Like Yeah, Chuck he,
1: Schumer sometimes sees the way the winds blowing. He sometimes yeah.
0: does. And you see him lately signing on to a lot of things that he never would have um, done before. And Biden himself um has done a lot of things that Obama wouldn't have done, even though um Biden certainly doesn't present as somebody who is any more progressive, um, you know, and you know and I wouldn't describe him as progressive. But um but it's a different time and um and being um and you know left left ideas and left forces are a part of that time. I mean,
1: it's very yeah. hard to imagine Barack Obama pulling out of Afghanistan.
0: It, it, like almost impossible. It's just...
1: It's yeah. very hard even to imagine whatever the like child tax credit complete
0: yeah yeah and I the, mean the uh, scale uh, of the infrastructure bill and the even as watered down as it was and even as much as like the you know Exxon wrote parts of it it's still like um it's still a very ambitious program and um and the stimul, the scale of the stimulus package and of the um And of the of, I mean, also Bernie's big proposed package, which has a chance of becoming reality is, I mean, it's it's it it, like it's, you know, things are nowhere near what we need. Like, none of this is anywhere close to what we need, but it is a lot different than what we would have gotten under Obama. Um, And so I think that that's certainly that's that's kind of an interesting subtlety that we all have to manage and also applaud. And yeah.
1: And also be upset about Be upset and about. also be, yeah. and also be the right amount of sexist about, I don't know. Oh, it's yeah, such yeah. a confusing world. So where
0: can our listeners find your work? So um, I write very regularly for Jacobin um, and, um, and I also write very regularly for the new Republic um and um and quite frequently for the nation as well so those are probably the the three main places to find it
1: are you probably. not on twitter did you get off oh no
0: no i'm on twitter yeah but sometimes oh, you okay. might just i didn't know if you but like, you might just someone might just go there and find a dumb tweet uh, of mine like <laughs> like so, I, I, so like if, if you want to find articles that i've hopefully considered and worked on a little bit those would be the three places i like it yeah
1: yeah um, however I d- you can I didn't... also
0: see my dumb tweets if you come to Twitter.
1: i'm so, sorry yeah. if you were actually the person that tweeted about bisexual lesbians today i didn't mean I, to I i wasn't offend.
0: I, I wasn't <laughs> though um as, as a bi- as a bisexual maybe i should consider it
1: <laughs> so, i'm also bisexual yeah. today someone was tweeting about How it's polyamorous to have platonic friends. I don't know what's going on with the kids on there.
0: Oh, I don't know. The kids are are all (laughs) kinds of inventive with the categories.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll see you later, Liza. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye-bye.
2: Thank you so much for listening to Reply Guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash replyguys, where we have a catalog of over 25 bonus interviews with renowned writers, journalists, and comedians, with an additional episode uploaded each week. The show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Framgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel.